Welcome to the Free Retiree Show. My name is Lee Michael Murphy. I've been in wealth management for the last 10 years right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. People have always asked me, how do I achieve financial independence? And while the financial world wants you to believe it's as simple as investing your money, I'm here to tell you it's a small piece of the puzzle. I've seen four consistent factors in the people that have achieved financial independence. One, they excel in their career. Two, they manage their money properly. Three, they're able to avoid devastating financial mistakes. They can see through the BS. And lastly, they understand they need to learn from the best, the people that have achieved success in their career and their finances. Join us on our journey as we learn how to become free retirees. Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, Wealth Manager Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside career advisor Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? And Silicon Valley's favorite attorney, Matthew McElroy. What's going on? How you guys all doing this morning? It's a good day. Good day? Yeah, I was going to say, I'll let Sergio answer that. I know he's excited. <laughs> no, it's a great day. I was actually eating breakfast at my mom's, and uh, somebody sent me a text, and it just said, we won. And that was, like, symbolic. I was like, I knew, I knew what it was. It wasn't, like sports it wasn't nothing it was exactly what's going on tv for the last like how many days deep are we in are we in since tuesday yeah so gosh four or five days now five five days yeah but matt we have to stay neutral right staying neutral about this? staying neutral yeah, stay neutral <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know on that you know to piggyback on that subject trump's been awfully quiet for how they, you know yeah. for, for trump you know hey it's because they're blocking his twitter posts <laughs> <laughs> I hear he's on the golf course right now. That's what I heard. That's the word on the street. <laughs> wow. Yes. So for this episode, guys, or this one might come out uh, a couple weeks late. We we're recording this one early. But uh, for the listeners that are uh, tuning in with us, uh, as of today, they just announced the election, official election results. So Sergio Patterson is very happy. He's a very happy man. He's glowing. There's a glow. There's a glow aura around his face right now. So we'll let him soak in that and uh enjoy his day appreciate that appreciate that. i know it's a dark day for you today Lee. Oh, that is false that is false that is false they, they they try to perceive me as a trumper that is very far from the truth they're just i i have co-hosts that are leftist radicals so i have to deal with that so for today's episode we're going to be bringing you a business and thought leader edition today we're going to be sitting down with jerry lee he is the manager of product strategy and analytics at lucid and he is the coo of one salting and for today's topic, we're going to be talking about how to put yourself in a position to be promoted and advance in your career. You see it all the time. People that have been at the same job for a few years, they feel like they're not going anywhere. Eventually, those feelings lead to frustration, which then turns into animosity towards their manager or their company, which then eventually leads to the employee going to all their close contacts, going to their keyboard and sending out the world's greatest FU message that goes viral, which inevitably leads to burnt bridges. So how can you avoid that? And set yourself up for the opportunities and capitalize and keep moving forward in your career. Today, we're going to find out from Jerry Lee. He's gotten multiple promotions throughout his career. He's broken multiple promotion records at Google, and in his career at Juan Sulting, this is what he does. He helps people move forward and get those opportunities. So, Sergio, what's your take on Jerry? 
Yeah, man, I'm just excited to have him on. And, you know, I'm not by any means an expert on how to get promoted. So to hear from one of the best in the game, I'm excited. Um, I know we were chatting earlier. I think, you know, Jerry, Jerry will probably go into these things, but some of the things that I've seen around me that help that has helped people get promoted is, is one, they're really good at building relationships across like multiple organizations. Um, two, something I've struggled with is being comfortable with like promoting yourself. And something I've seen people that just rise and rise and rise, they're really good at socializing their work and putting in FaceTime with the right people. And then just the last one, dude, is um, not afraid to take on the tough projects or tasks. I think, you know, raising your hand when no one's asking um, and just doing, doing what's needed to get the job done. I think I've seen a lot of people get promoted in my time, you know, at Google, at Facebook, and uh, I'm just excited to hear from Jerry. Yeah. And since you're talking about networking, I mean, Jerry Lee, he has been able to uh, do some amazing things with his network. Um, when he puts a post out on LinkedIn or a social network, he gets thousands of people interacting with them. It's quite amazing. So he's definitely doing something right. So we're this is going to be a great show. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break. But before we do that, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you like our show, share it. Uh, we really love all the support you're giving us. And if you have questions for us or Jerry after the show, send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com. We're going to go to a quick break, but when we're back, we're going to be sitting down with Jerry Lee. Welcome back in the Free Retiree Show. We're sitting down with Jerry Lee, manager at Lucid, COO of One Salting. The Free Retiree Show is big fans of One Salting. We've had the privilege of sitting down with CEO uh, Jonathan Javier. One Salting has been nominated uh, for Forbes 30 Under 30. They've hosted 50 online events with companies including Google, LinkedIn, Facebook, Deloitte, and they've spoken at 150 plus organizations and schools impacting over 15,000 job seekers. Jerry, how are you doing today? First, you guys are so, so good at hyping me up. I am pumped. <laughs> we love you. We love I you, love Jerry. You what Jerry, Jerry, what, Jerry. What we do, man. It's what we do. <laughs> but I am good. I am excited. But also, I'm a little hungry. So I'm going to grab some food with a friend after this. <laughs> Yeah, no, I hear you on that, man. We won't, we, we value your time with us. We won't, we won't cut into your meal time too much, <laughs> but give the listeners a rundown of, you know, what you do and, you know, what your expertise is in. Sure. So, uh, my name is Jerry. Uh, I'm currently a manager on the product strategy team. I started off my career at Google and outside of work, I'm also the COO of Consulting. And so my passions, my professional passions range from doing business strategy work to doing analytics, but my personal passions is really around focusing on how people who come from non-traditional backgrounds be successful getting into their career and also developing themselves in their career. And so that's how I spend almost my every hour of my week. That's awesome, man. I think there's one thing to you know, get the job, get the career, but how do you develop and get better? So I think you have so much value, man. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah. I, and I'm so excited to talk more about it. It's something that I think 
schools don't ever talk about. They only focus on how do you get that job, if they even talk about it at all. And once you're there, you're kind of left there alone, hoping to figure it out. And companies might give you some resources, but at the end of the day, you it's in your hands for you to take control of. And that's really what I found. So Jerry, we all know that you were at Google and you were able to break multiple promotion records. Can you give us a little insight in exactly what happened and how you did sure. that? So maybe it might be helpful to give a quick context of how I got into Google. So uh, I went to school in the Northeast, very small business school called the Babson College. It had 1,600 students throughout the entire school. And so when you think about a bigger company like Google to coming onto our campus, they never came onto our campus. And so I remember during my junior or maybe it was my sophomore or junior year, I applied online thinking no way I'm ever going to get an interview. But lo and behold, a couple months later, I received that email. And thankfully, I was the first intern at Google from my alma mater. And Babson's been around for 100 years now, which is absolutely crazy. And you fast forward to me when I started my career, I pretty much had roughly about three years of work experience before I started my first job. And what I mean by that is every semester during my college year, I would intern at a, at a company. So, uh, you know, I interned at a, an investment bank, a boutique life sciences M&A firm, uh, a private equity firm, a consulting firm. And so because I understood what, what it felt like to be in a working environment, I think that played a part. And so once I started my role as an analyst, one of the first things that I've noticed is that everyone else was older than me and had at least five plus years of working experience, right? They didn't hire entry-level analysts, but because I was an intern and I converted, that was an edge case. So I think when everyone looked at me when I first started, they always looked at me as, oh, well, there's that college grad. He's going to figure it out. Let's just give him his space and let him just run off and do whatever. So for the first month, I remember I, my manager was like, just go and enjoy, right? Enjoy Google, learn what it is. Being new is only, it's only going to happen once. So just go enjoy your time. And for the first two weeks, I was like, yes, like, I love, this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> get to eat all the food, get to meet all the yep. people, hang mm -hmm. out, right? What more can I ask for? But sooner, sooner or later, you begin to realize that everyone else on your team is grinding. And I'm kind of sitting there at my desk, twiddling my thumbs, not knowing really what to do. You're gaining that Google 15. <laughs> That's right. Getting a, a good head start at the <laughs> Google 15. <laughs> but you soon begin to realize that because everyone else around you is grinding and you're kind of there not really knowing where you fit in, you should begin to start asking questions of like, well, what exactly am I supposed to be here? Am I even supposed to be here? And so you have a little bit of imposter syndrome coming in, but you also have a little bit of confusion and not really knowing what to do. And I remember talking to my manager and my manager was like, you know what? Uh, spend time to just relax on board, just meet people, right? And really not giving me too much direction. And I think to his, to his point, I think it, it was fine at the time because if I were surrounded by people who's, who the base expectation to get into the roles, five years of working experience, and you're working with a college student who just graduated, I, 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 get, I get that. So, but what ended up happening was I took on a project and one of the projects was just understand the landscape, right? And so I was querying all this data. And what I found 
was there was one metric that just went through the roof, right? And I was like, wait, this is a little weird. And so I remember talking to some of my colleagues and being like, wait, is this supposed to happen? They're like, no, this is something you should actually look into. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to just tackle this project. Six months after that, it became one of the biggest product loopholes that has ever been reported at Google. I led it with engineers, with legal, with product policy, with sales, with our eng teams. And it all started because I took initiative and I said, you know what? This is something that I think is kind of weird. I'm going to take upon myself to try and figure it out. And that or that award by itself won one of the organization awards that, that's handed once a year. And so it, it almost... A lot of it was luck, I think, when I got my first promotion, but also it was a little bit of me taking that proactive action to really solve a problem that no one else want, wanted to. Now you did this, did you do this as an intern or was this when you were got promoted to strategist? This is when I was an analyst being a strategist. So Jerry, like, you're relatively new during this time, Super right? New. So like, did you ever have thoughts of like fear of speaking up? Because, you know, you're at one of the greatest companies in the world and you're just the new guy, you're young. I mean, did that, was it hard to speak up and say like, hey, you guys might have an issue here? It was initially, but I think my, because it came from a question of, wait guys, I don't understand what this means. Like, should I be doing this? It didn't, it didn't feel like I was speaking up. But once I started taking on the projects and I was telling that working with product managers who were 20 years into their careers and saying, hey, guys, I think that there's something here. I think we need to do something. They all looked at me being like, ah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Right. But then once I started showing the data and I started getting everyone on board, then they began to realize, oh, my gosh, like this is actually much bigger than I initially anticipated. But was there ever feared? There was a little bit, but I think it was overcame because. I initially just started the, started the project by just asking these questions and that just built my confidence initially. I'm just tripping. Like you must've got promoted. If you won the, the, you were promoted the most, like did you get promoted in every cycle? So I think we crossed paths at Google, by the way, mm -hmm. but did you get promoted in almost every cycle when you were there? No. Every other cycle? So I, what's kind of funny is I've actually gotten more superbs than I have gotten meats. Wow. Okay. So hey, let's give the listeners context on uh, ratings. Yeah. So uh, at Google, we have a five point rating of what you, uh, of how your performance is, is evaluated. So uh, the, the lowest, which is needs improvement means that you fall, uh, you just aren't falling, you're just falling short of expectations, right? The next thing, the next level up is meets expectations, which is actually a really good thing at Google. Like I think majority of people actually get this rating Yep. And it, it's something that is something that you should be proud of, right? A step above that is an exceeds where you're actually really crushing it in your role, right? Strongly exceeds is saying, wow, okay, you're definitely showing capabilities for you to be at the next level. Superb is like, we should have done this last cycle. And so- Superb I, is for, for you guys, superb is so rare though. Like the fact that you got it multiple times is insane. Yeah. Because they don't, they don't just give that out. At least when I was there, they didn't just give that rating out. Yeah, it, I think in my... Did it have more to do with you, Sergio? It's possible. It's possible. No, no, no. I mean, I, hey, that's a little blow. I'm not Jerry. I already admit it. I'm not Jerry. Um, you know, whatever. Um, but go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, I think statistically, 
I think only one percent is given out every every cycle, like one or two. See, there's data. See that, Lee? Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, so I I just got really lucky. Is is definitely a combination of of luck and just meeting the right people for sure. What what was your whole timeline at Google? How long were you there total? I think about three years or two. Yeah, almost three years. And in that three year uh, span, how how many promotions did you get? Yeah. So Jerry, what would you tell people that are coming in to whatever opportunity it is, the new job opportunity? How do you set yourself on the path to not stay stagnant, to keep moving forward? Because that is a very common thing that we've seen is just people just feel like they're just treading water or sinking. And, uh, you know, there's always that excitement when you first get that opportunity, you feel all, all the hope and joy. And then, I mean, majority of people, you know, they, they get to a point where they feel like they're not moving forward and they get frustrated. So how do you help them you know, with your work at Juan Salting? And what advice would you yeah, have? Yeah, I'd say that's a really good question. I think the, the first question is, especially is understanding whether or not upward mobility is a priority for you, right? Because I think for some people, it may be that they just want a good work-life balance and that's, that's perfectly fine, right? And they don't want to go above. They don't want to go below. They just want to be just live in a very stable job in a very stable life, perfectly fine. But if you are looking for upward mobility and that is a priority, then the first question to ask is, is there upward mobility in your role, right? Because I think a lot of roles that are out there today, especially for full-time, it either will stagnate after a promotion or maybe after two, or they won't have a promotion path for you at all. And if you find yourself questioning, well, thinking back now and saying, well, does my role actually have a promotion path? That's, that's, that to me is a sign of concern that you should really look into it, right? And if people aren't giving you direct answers, then the probable answer to that question is there is no promotion path, right? But if there is a promotion path, then it's about understanding, well, what is what am I doing currently today? What is a person who's a high a level above me doing? And what is a person level that's two levels above me? What are they doing? right? Because you want to somehow fit yourself in the middle of between those people, because at least at Google, the philosophy was you should be showing consistent demonstration of work that you, of performance that you are performing at the next level, right? And so the more that you can show people that you are not only competitive at the next level, but also you're actually compete that you should be competitive when being compared to the people at the next level is in my mind, how you make it so easy for people to just be like, okay, well, we should promote you. And so I think the more that you can identify what are people doing, what am I doing, what are the boxes that I'm not ticking, the clear path that you'll have in in moving forward. I I like to give this analogy a lot because I think when you're a college at, at Burning College, or sorry, when you're a senior while you're in college, it's so easy to identify who the freshmen are right? They have their lanyards, they have, they go into the textbooks or the college store, they come out with textbooks, you know, that they just bought, right? In a similar sense, when you're working, it's so easy to identify the people who are just starting in their career, right? And it's typically the people who are just sitting with their, you know, head down, maybe uh, during meetings, being super silent, not asking any questions, not being engaged, not being proactive, not identifying problems, and offering solutions to those, 
And so I, I would try to, I would try to minimize that because as soon as you're classified or categorized as the student bucket, it's really hard for you to come out of it. Uh, so that's the analogy that I would like to share. Yeah. Hey, Jerry. So at most companies I've been at in Silicon Valley, there's the expectations grid, right? I'm curious how, how much did that play a role and how much did you care about the technical and like the what's written on the expectations grid versus the, your output just for the listeners as they're trying to like navigate Silicon Valley. Yeah. So so if you're in Silicon Valley, Sergio is exactly right that you're going to have these job ladders or expectations of, Hey, this is your analytical capabilities as an L3, L4, L5, which are different levels. But I think in my mind, those actually haven't been as helpful in my experience because they're so general. They're so, you know, must be able to, uh, you know, for example, as an analyst, what I remember one of the job descriptions was must be able to produce analytical work with minimal errors. Then the next one was must be able to produce analytical work and pitch new ideas. It, 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 it was, it never felt like it was a check mark that people had in their mind, but rather what I, what I felt like was really, can you work as effectively and as efficiently as a person above you? Are you producing a similar amount of work, right? And I think a lot of people put in so much effort around the input, but not enough effort around the output, right? And as long as you can be very clear in your mind of what output that you're specifically aiming, aiming towards and how you'll get there, in my mind, that's how you stand out. But to your question, do, do those descriptions at companies help and provide a lot of guidance? I, I, in my experience, it, was, it hasn't been that case. Yeah, I think it varies from company to company. That's, that's good insight though. So Jerry, if you're putting the output and you, you're, you got the effort down, you, you feel that you have put that output that shows that you deserve it, but then you have obstacles in your way, like maybe upper level management that stands in your way pins you down because that I, that is a very common thing that I hear a lot of people talk about their manager pinned them down didn't give them the opportunity how do you address those sort of obstacles yeah it's it's such a good point because managers have so much control and power into your promotion process right they're the ones depending on the company they're the ones who decide to put you up they're the ones who is being your advocate right so I think managers have a huge role in almost deciding your future. So I'd say manager relationship, it, this was one of the first advice that I got when I started working was your relationship with manager is probably one of the most important factors in your open mobility. Because if your manager doesn't like working with you, then you're probably not going to be put up for promotions, your opportunities going to be let go. So you're exactly right in, in addressing that. But I do think of if you are in a position where you do have a good manager, then I think it's all about making sure that you set the right level of expectations, right? I think um, it's always like aim high, shoot low, or is it the other way around? Aim low, shoot high. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Aim low, low expectations, <laughs> but over deliver. Yes, is that, exactly. That, is that ex- what you're trying to say? That's right. Set the expectations <laughs> low, over deliver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last time I'm going to try to use one of those phrases. Oh, it's good. good. <laughs> like it. It's good. Um, but so, with regards to your manager, it's always you want to make sure if something that you know is going to take you a week, always say two weeks, 
right? Because if you set the expectation that it's going to take you two weeks, then boom, right? Like that's how you, that's how you do well. But more importantly, I think the, the, the overall principle that I have as an employee of, of someone who is managing me is that I hope that I take up at least as amount of time as possible for them, from them. So what do I mean by that? That they don't have to be as involved with the projects, that they don't have to be as involved with my stakeholder meetings, that they don't have to be, they don't have to worry about me, right? That during our one-on-ones, I get the project updates and I'm like, you know what? You don't even need to be worried. I'm going to loop you in when you, when there's a problem or when I need you. But apart from that, it's totally fine, right? Because if you do that, you're make you're essentially alleviating all the time and pressure that your manager has to think about you, and your manager will place it elsewhere in other problematic areas in the in the scope of your manager's board, right? So, again, th- this is very manager specific, but in my mind, if you can be someone to help alleviate and make your manager's life easier, and you document your progress and you take them along the progress or your progress along the way. That's what I found to be extremely, extremely helpful because by the time I, uh, I was a strategist and I moved teams, uh, my one-on-one with my manager was pretty much project updates. My manager asking me, all right, well, what do you need from me? I'm like, honestly, I'm totally fine. If you want to get involved, here are all the meetings that you should go to, but otherwise I got it. And my manager said, perfect. Yeah, that's fantastic advice because you're yeah. basically performing at such a high level, you don't even need the manager. That's exactly right that your manager is there as someone to make that to, so that the management team knows that that specific area where you're driving is good and that they don't need to worry or even think twice about that. Right. It, and yeah. I, as a manager now, the one thing that I'm doing with my analysts is I'm doing exactly that. Right. I'm aligning them to my stakeholders so that if they come to me and I can up, train them and upskill them to the point where they're saying, Jerry, you don't ever have to worry about this director because I got it. And if there's anything that you ever need to be concerned about, I'll tell you. And so nice. that makes my life much easier. It makes the analyst analyst's life much easier because now suddenly this analyst is now the point person for one piece of the business and con performance review time. You can say, I am the lead analyst for a business that generates X amount of dollars. Here's the 16 projects that I've done. And as long as I'm and I know about the projects that are being done, it just makes my life a lot easier. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, we had, um, we had Maya Grossman on. I don't know if you know who she yeah. is. She's an author. Yeah. She talked about managing up everything you're talking about right now. To me, it's like, how do you be excellent at managing up? And I think that's something that like I've kind of been working on lately and the results I think are crazy. Like if you can have a strong relationship with your manager, like, like you said, you can pretty much, but at this, at the flip, I, I think managers have too much power to be honest. I agree. But like it's managing up everything you're saying is managing up. So yeah, hundred percent aligned with you. Yeah. And I think the principle, the core principle of managing up is just being the person who manages you, right? Like if you can almost be your own manager within a company, then the per- then you're essentially making your manager's life easier, right? And as long as you're able to clearly articulate and document every, again, every output, not input that you've done with the time that you have for your promote performance review. Like one of the things that I did was when my manager told me that she was going to put me up for promotion, I told her, all right, well, 
what do you need from me? Right. She's like, just give me a list of everything, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I gave her a detailed list of every single project. I've, I've put it on a chart that looks at all the attributes that I would be rated, rated on. And I would, I gave her specific examples of specific projects. So I gave her that, but more importantly, I gave her key. I gave her a one pager before she went into those meetings to talk about promotions to minimize the type of pushback that she might receive. So for example, one of the pushbacks that she might receive was, well, Jerry, this is his first performance review, right? How do we know that he's going to be a sustained performer? And I gave an answer for that. I gave examples. So it's such that she doesn't have to think twice about that, right? So again, I'm being my own manager by using my manager almost as a tool for me to get myself promoted, right? So you want to make it as easy as humanly possible for your manager to do their job, not only of doing the work during the performance or throughout the quarters, but also throughout the promotion process in my mind is the the way to do it. So, so you like, you pretty much own your career from day one. I'm curious, like, where did this drive and passion come from? You know, from? It, it, it's funny because with regards to drive, I mean, one, I guess it comes from two areas. The, the first area is really my, my story and my, and my parents, right? And I won't dive too much into this, but, you know, my parents gave up everything for me to be in the States and have the opportunity that I have today, right? If you think about a, a married couple with two kids picking up their entire lives, moving to a foreign country where they don't know the culture, they don't know the language, they barely have any money and saying, great, now we're going to sh- struggle for the next 20 years right? And holding on to the faith and hope that my brother and I would have a chance at achieving the quote-unquote American dream, in my mind, is something that I'm always going to be eternally grateful for. And so my parents are my inspiration for everything. They're always the ones that I always think about as I do work, as I think about doing consulting work on the weekends and on weeknights until 10 p.m., right? Because I, I am so grateful, right? And, and that, that to me is, is something that is just so, so, so dear to me. Anyways, um, but I won't talk too much more into that. And the second thing I think uh, that's really motivates me is I think from people who come from my background where I come from a low-income, first-gen, immigrant household, I think the odds, if you look at the statistics, they're stacked against me right? Like I shouldn't be a manager when I was three years out of school. In when I was a year into the college, I shouldn't have been surrounded by people who graduated from HBS, worked at McKinsey for five years, worked at private equity funds, who done XYZ in their careers, right? It just, it just feels a little surreal to me every time I reflect back on that experience. But it proves to me that if I can do it, right, I don't consider myself a genius. I don't consider myself someone who's extraordinary in, in any sense, right? I just find myself with someone who just has a lot of drive and just willing to just keep going until I figure it out, right? But if someone like me can do it, I hope to be a token for, of inspiration for others to know that if, they're in, if they walk in similar shoes, if they come from a non-traditional background, that you can do it too. Right. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're still in college and you're 30 years old and you look at everyone else and you know your 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 quote unquote successful friends are VPs or whatever. In my mind, you can still make it. Right. And so I hope to use my story and continue to use my story 
to shine a light on people to say that, hey, like, like you, you can do it, right? And, and that's really what I use a lot of my LinkedIn platform for, to not only equip people with the tools, but also give them the, the whole emotional side of recruiting and yeah. your career. It's gold, man. Yeah, that's awesome. an audiogram right there, Lee. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Hey, I have a, yeah. I have kind of a unique question. So, you know, COVID has kind of changed the, you know, the the landscape and the 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 path towards climbing the the corporate ladder. Is there any kind of advice that you guys are giving to people kind of entering the corporate world on how to kind of maneuver this Oof. new environment? Uh, yeah, this is something that we don't talk enough about, but it's something that's very important for us. The I think as I move as I move upward in my career, the the most common theme that I'm beginning to realize is it's not about what you do, it's more about how you go about and do it, right? Do people like working with you on those projects? Do people recognize the work that you're doing on those projects? Do people see your face and know that wow, every time I think of Lee or I think of Sergio or Matt, that I the words that come to mind are driven, smart, ambitious. And I know that if I leave them alone, that they're just going to run and I don't need to check up on them. And so th that in my mind is, is, is how I like to think about it. So for you to do that tactically, I think it's so and ever so important for you to meet, have more intentional meetings of just meeting people, right? Uh, one of the things that I did in my previous role at Google and what I'm doing now is I'm setting up one-on-ones with some of my stakeholders and my peers because, and not to talk about work. I set up my monthly one-on-ones or even sometimes quarterly one-on-ones just to catch up with them, right? And that's because I, I want, not only do I want to like the people that I'm working with and I want to be friends with them, but also I want to make sure that I don't lose those relationships because I think what's what's more important than, the, the, than you pitching yourself, it's, other people pitching on your behalf. The more people, more people that you know and that you make great relationships with, the more pe more people will know about the work and know about you. And so, meet as many people as possible, catch up with them, maintain those relationships by having monthly, quarter, quarterly one on ones, because that really is what I think makes a big difference. Yeah, that's amazing insight because I, I look at you know my own career the best opportunities that I've had mm -hmm. is directly come from my right. relationships, like all the big wins through my career. And that's not, it's not any different for other people. I just, I think people don't realize that, but a lot of the times it's how you got that promotion, how you got that job, that massive opportunity is because you knew someone and they put you, they help put you in that position. So uh, I love that advice, like relationship building. It's great on just like a personal level to have friendships but they do, they do give you opportunities. Yeah, and I think most people minimize the long-term benefits of having those relationships. Everyone always thinks so short-term, right? And I think yep. it's good reason for that, but even their short-term benefits, right? Like being good friends with people means that you can ask for favors, means that you can give favors, right? And so, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the examples is like, uh, in my previous role, we were really always short on engineering resources, but, the person who managed the engineering resources, she and I were so close. We would grab lunch outside of work. We would hang out. And so every time that there was such a pressing need on my end, 
that I knew wasn't as impactful as other projects. Like I would just kind of kind of nug her and say, hey, you know, I would love to, you know, this is what I'm facing with. I'm under real pressure. Like, is there any way you can help? So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll make an exception for you, right? So there's also those those benefits as well. But I think the the general principle, and, and you should never go into a relationship being like, I can't wait to squeeze as much benefit from this person. <laughs> so that's definitely not the message. But I think overall, creating genuine relationship just has such benefits short and long-term. 100%, man, 100%. Well, hey, man, thank you so much, you know, for coming on the show. You've dropped some amazing value today. We, uh, I know our listeners are going to love this episode, but we got to ask, uh, I saw that you're into boxing, right? Yeah, we actually boxed yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I also found out that your partner in crime, Jonathan Javier, also boxed, yeah. right? He's a box. So, you know, I think the last episode, we might've asked him like, you know, who's going to win in a fight, you know, you or Jerry. And he's like, I would whoop that ass. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That guy doesn't know how to throw a punch yesterday. You just seen him. He was, <laughs> Jesus. No, we're just, I'm just joking. He didn't say okay, that. Guys. Let's, cut that Let's cut that out. Let's cut that out. <laughs> edit that out. Do not edit. Editor, listen, do not edit. <laughs> but yeah, so that's cool that you guys, you guys box and stuff. That's, that's... Where, where do you guys train at? So uh, we just moved out to LA. And we're actually roommates, uh, if you guys didn't know. And oh, nice. uh, we're trying out different boxing gyms here. Uh, so we just went to one. And... Lots to choose from. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, we're, we're pretty excited to just uh, scope some stuff out. But uh, yeah, so we're on the hunt. So if you have any recommendations, please feel free to share them. Is it is it weird with uh, with COVID? Like, are they? How are the gyms? Like, I, I haven't been to one since. So I. Yeah, I, I think it is a little weird because uh, you're gonna have to wear masks. Some of them are outdoors, so you're just gonna have to be. It's just a different environment. They also limit class sizes as well, so there's a little yeah. bit of benefit there as well. Uh, but for me, it's. I haven't boxed in like six months in a class and going to yesterday was just such a joy in my day. And it's something that like continually give me energy today. So I'm going to try to figure out a way, even if it just means getting a personal coach and just like, just doing it. Cause it just brings you so much joy. Yeah, no, totally Thank you so you much, Jerry. We, we love having you on, man. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll bring you off for future episodes because man, you brought some amazing value today. So thank you. Thank you guys so much. This is such a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Jerry. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Jerry. All right, guys. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. 
third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook, Inc. The opinions of attorney Matt McGorry do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.